in the journals of Henry David Thoreau in the year 1859 in October 4th. All men sympathize by their lower natures, the few only by their higher. The appetites of the mistress are commonly the same as those for, of her servant, but her society is commonly more select. The help may have some of the tenderloin, but she must eat it in the kitchen. The help has to eat in the kitchen. <laughs> October 9th, p.m., Boston. Read a lecture to Theodore Parker's Society. It's interesting, that's all he says about it. Mm -hmm. October 10th, colder weather and the cat's fur grows. That's all he says. Cat's fur grows. So what happened on that day? Cold weather, the cat's fur grew. The cat's fur grew, that's what happened. It's been warm, nature I could put in my, my journal that today the cat's fur grew. No, the way he could is nice. Mm -hmm. January what? Today? October 10th. October 10th. It's cold. So October 14th. I hear a man laughed at because he went to Europe twice in search of an imaginary wife. <laughs> he thought was there, though he had never seen nor heard of her. But the majority have gone further while they stayed in America, have actually allied themselves to one whom they thought their wife and found out their mistake too late to mend it. It'd be cruel to laugh at these. <laughs> hmm. Each town, October 15th, each town should have a park. Here we go. Each town should have a park. This is the park we begin dear. Can't stop that. Each town should have a park or or rather a primitive forest or of five hundred or a thousand acres where a stick should never be cut for fuel. So by park he meant a little forest. He means a original a growth, an, an original growth forest, huh? mm -hmm. a common possession, a common possession forever for instruction and recreation. Who's proposing a park system? Like Central Park. Well, there was so much uh, land being lost. We have very few original growth forests left in New England or elsewhere. So you can't see what the forests would look like without intervention by humans. You'd have to look up where an original growth forest is. This is very important, October 15th. Each town should have a park, or rather a primitive forest, of 500 or 1,000 acres, where a stick should never be cut for fuel, a common possession forever for instruction and recreation. We hear of 
cow commons or ministerial lots, but we want men commons and lay lots inalienable forever. Let us keep the new world new, preserve all the advantages of living in the country. There is meadow and pasture and woodlot for the town's poor. What's dear? Why not a forest or huckleberry field for the town's rich? <laughs> I can't do that. It seems chocolate and coffee up in my nose. Otherwise, I can't breathe. Oh, <laughs> Walden Wood might have been preserved for our park forever with Walden in its mist. And the Eastern Brooks country, an unaccompanied area of some four square miles, might have been our huckleberry field. If any owner of these tracks had are about to leave the world without natural heirs who need or deserve to be specially remembered, they will do wisely to abandon their possession to all and not will them to some individual who perhaps is already enough already. As some give to Harvard College or another institution, why meet not another? Why might not another give a forest or huckleberry field to Concord? <laughs> a town is an institution which deserves to be remembered. We boast of our system of education, but we why stop at schoolmasters and schoolhouses? We are all schoolmasters, and our schoolhouse is the universe. To attend chiefly to the desk or schoolhouse while we neglect the serenity in which it is placed is absurd. And if we do not look out, we shall find our fine schoolhouse standing in a cow yard at last. You want your schoolhouse just to be in the middle of a cow yard with no forest? Do you think it should be part of the education system, the park? Mm. It's, a, it's a pleasing system. It's a system to be joyful and calm. October 16. Talk about learning our letters and being literate. Why the roots of letters are things. Natural objects and phenomena are the original symbols or types which express our thoughts and feelings, and yet American school scholars, having little or no root in the soil, commonly thrive with all they might to confine themselves to the imported symbols alone. October 18. Why can we not oftener refresh one another with original thoughts? If the fragrance of the Dixonian fern, dear, we're going to have to get a Dixonian fern, is so grateful and suggestive to us, how much more refreshing and encouraging and recreating would be fresh and fragrant thoughts communicated to us fresh from a man's experience in life. What do you mean by dictionary? I don't know. Get your phone out and look it up. 
I want none of this pity nor sympathy in the common sense them, but that he should emit and communicate to me his essential fragrance. That he should not be forever repenting and going to church when not otherwise sinning. <laughs> but as it were, going a huckleberrying in the fields of thought. Wow. Is this like going huckleberrying in the fields of thought? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Going a huckleberrying in the fields of thought. Each town should have a park. <laughs> Say it again. Dictionary. Dicksonian, like Emily Dickinson. D-I-C-K-S-O-N-I-A. Fern. Why he associates that with thinking. Hmm. Hmm. They don't have Dicksonian plants. They don't even have Dicksonian plants. Dicksonia. Yeah, it's a tree fern. Hmm. Maybe it's a Dicksonia. Yeah, Dicksonia. Mm -hmm. What about it? Hmm. Why do you flee so soon, sir, to the theaters? We're going a huckleberrying in the fields of thought and enrich all the world with his visions and his joys. Why do ye flee so soon, sir, to the theaters? Watch your rooms and museums of the city. If you will stay here a while, I will promise you strange sights. You shall walk on water. Uh -huh. Seems he's he's saying that you could walk on water with him. <laughs> you shall walk on water. All these brooks and rivers and ponds shall be your highway. Mm -hmm. Wow. Ye shall see the whole earth covered a foot or more deep with purest white crystals. In which you slump, or over which you glide, all the trees and stubble glittering in icy armor. You think we could read this while we're walking through all the brooks and rivers and ponds and Concord? Hmm. Mm -hmm. hmm. October 19th. One comment I heard of by the postmaster of this village. I'm the news of John Brown's death. Quote, he died as the fool dieth. I should have answered this man. Quote, he did not live as the fool liveth, and he died as he lived. He's such a strong supporter of John Brown. Hmm. I think that's odd in a way. Our foes are in our midst and all about us. Hardly a house but is divided against itself. For our foe is the all but universal woodenness. Both of head and heart. You don't you aren't wooded wooded wooden headed, are you? Wooden woodenness. Universal woodenness, both of head and heart, the want of vitality. 
of man, the effect of vice, whence are begotten, fear and superstition and bigotry and persecution and slavery of all kinds, mere figureheads upon hulk, with livers in the place of hearts, oh, a church that can never have done with excommunicating Christ while it exists. Our planes were overrun the other day with a flock of adjutant generals, as if a brood of cockerels had been let loose there, waiting to use their spurs in what sort of glorious cause, I ask. What more probable in the future, what more certain heretofore than in grinding in the dust four hundred thousand of feeble and timid men, women, and children? The United States exclaims, quote, Here are four millions of human creatures which we have stolen. We have abolished among them the relations of father, mother, child, and wife, and we mean to keep them in this condition. Will you, old Massachusetts, help us to do so? And Massachusetts promptly answers, A. He's saying that there's four million people made into slaves, and Massachusetts is going along with it. Hmm. 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 So he's for against slavery, and he's for a park system. Huh? He's for what's good and against what's not good. Yeah. So in hindsight, we're in agreement with Thoreau. <laughs> hmm. hmm. Through Thoreau, or Thoreau, we feel we've read thoroughly Thoreau, or through gotten through his journals. <laughs> October twentieth. As I approached the pond, I saw a hind. Now, in a potato field, I forgot what a hen is. Is it a dog? <laughs> can never remember anything. Hind, H-I-N-D. A potato field, digging potatoes, who stood stock still for ten minutes to gaze at me in astonishment, till I had sunk into the woods among the hills about the pond. And when I emerged again, there he was, motionless, still on the same it's spot, like with his eye on me, H-I-N-D, dear. What's a hind? It's I-N-D. H-I-N-D. Hind. Huh. A bodily part situated at the back posterior. Maybe it's a person, dear. His eye on me resting on his idle hoe as it's one might. Not a calf by the hind leg. Oh, it's the hind, the back legs. I know, the hand, a, a butt head, in other words. As one might watch at the mouth of a foxhole to see him come out. But chance, he may have thought nile humanum, or else he was transfixed with thought which is worth a bushel or two of potatoes, whatever his employer may say, contrasting his condition with my own. Though he stood so still, civilization made some progress. But I must hasten away, or he'll lose his day. I was as indifferent to his eyes shut as a tree walking, for I am used to such things. Perchance he will relate his adventure when he gets home at night, and what he has seen, though he did not have to light a candle this time. 
I am in a fair way to become a valuable citizen to him as he is to me. He raises potatoes in the field for me. I raise curiosity in him. He stirs the earth. I stir him. What a power am I. I cause the potatoes to rot in the ground. Do you think he causes the potatoes to rot in the ground? I affect distant markets, surely, but he shall not spoil my day. I will get in my harvest, nevertheless. <clears throat> this will be nuts to him when the winter weather evening come. He will tell his dream then. <clears throat> Talk of reaping machines. I do not go into that field at all. I do not meddle with the potatoes. He was the only crop I gathered at a glance. Perchance, he thought... <clears throat> I harvest potatoes, he harvests me. <laughs> October 22nd. I foresee the time when the painter will paint that scene of Harper's Ferry. The poet will sing it, the historian record it, and with the landing of the pilgrims and the Declaration of Independence, it will be the ornament of some future natural, national gallery. When the present form of slavery shall be no more, we shall then be at liberty to weep for John Brown, then not till then, and not then, and not till then we will take our revenge. I don't remember John Brown being that glorified in my understanding of history. Yeah. Hmm. No, I, we did cover it in history, Harper's Ferry, but it didn't have the glorious treatment <clears throat> that the landing of the pilgrims and the Declaration of Independence had. December 8th, 200 years ago, is about as great an antiquity as we can comprehend or often have to deal with. It is nearly as good as 2,000 to our imaginations. It carries us back to the days of Aborigines and the pilgrims beyond the limits of oral testimony. To history which begins already to be enameled with the gloss of fable, and we do not quite believe what we read. To a strange style of writing and spelling and of expression. <clears throat> to those ancestors whose names we do not know and to whom we are related only as we are to the race generally. It is the age of our very oldest houses and cultivated trees, nor is New England very peculiar in this. In England also a house 200 years old, especially if it be a wooden one, is pointed out as an interesting relic of the past. Dear, do you feel that this being 160 years ago is similar? <clears throat> He's talking about 200 years ago. But to us, mm -hmm. reading Thoreau is 160 years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, is it relevant or a relic? <laughs> mm -hmm. What? Irrelevant. Our reading of something 160 years old. <clears throat> We're reading uh, the year 1859 in uh, the journals of Henry David Thoreau. And he's talking about 200 years ago.
December 12th. There is a certain Irish woodchopper who, when I come across him at his work in the woods in the winter, never fails to ask me what time it is, and if he were in haste to take his dinner pail and go home, this is not as it should be. Every man and the woodchopper among the rest should love his work as much as the poet does his. All good political arrangements proceed on this supposition, if labor mainly or in any considerable degree, serves the purpose of a police to keep men out of mischief. It indicates the rottenness at the foundation of our community. Dear, <clears throat> dear, he says, if labor mainly to any considerable degree serves the purpose of a police to keep men out of mischief, it indicates a rottenness at the foundation of our community. So labor, just having labor to keep men out of mischief indicates a rottenness. Uh, if you're just working to stay out of mischief, rottenness when you could be meditating, I suppose. Uh, rottenness of our community. December 13th, p.m., on river to Fairhaven Pond. He goes to Fairhaven Pond a lot. And he goes on the river. He takes his boat. Do you think we should take a, a rowboat down some of the rivers of near Concord and re replicate a walk, a Thorovian walk? <laughs> My first true winter walk is perhaps that which I take on the river, and where I cannot go in the summer, it is the walk, but tell you're to winter, and now first I take it. I see that the fox, too, has already taken the same walk before me, just along the edge of a button bushes where not even he can go in the summer. We both turn our steps hither at the same time. He's following the winter fox, dear. He's following in the footsteps of the fox. <laughs> a winter walk. I don't feel I take enough winter walks. <laughs> it was very beautiful when I went into the walk for by the rip down by the creek. Uh, remember how you can see more. You can see farther with the leaves down. <laughs> You don't have to worry about the ticks. Uh, there's no ticks in the woods. Uh, no deer ticks in the woods. Uh, so you can go for a walk in the winter woods without fear. <laughs> That's why I like to hike in winter. <laughs> December 15th. Philosophy is a Greek word by good rights, and it stands almost for a Greek thing. <laughs> Do you think philosophy is a Greek word by good rights? And it stands almost for a Greek thing. Is philosophy a Greek thing? Hmm. The thing is that hmm. in English now they change it. They don't mean the same thing that uh, the Greeks meant when they said philosophy. Yeah. Philosophy was a friend of a meditation of the hmm. individual. Uh, Mm. Not, uh, 
Oh, they change philosophy. Well, the love of Sophus, Sophia. Now, Sophia forgot the meaning of Sophia. No, there's something more to it, Sophia. It's a Greek word, Sophia. I know, it's more than just wisdom. It's, uh, it's the wisdom of the, again, of Sophia is, I forgot the way I defined it, it's something else. It's more than wisdom. Huh? Yet some rumor of it has reached the communist mind. M. M. Marshall Mills, who came to collect his wood bill today, said, When I objected to the small size of his wood, that it was necessary to split wood fine in order to cure it well, that he had found that wood that was more than four inches in diameter would not dry, and moreover a good deal depended on the manner in which it was corded up in the woods. He piled his high and tightly. If this was not well done, the stakes would spread and the wood lie loosely, and so the rain and snow find their way into it. He added, I have handled a good deal of wood, and I think that I understand the philosophy of it. How he's referring it to us, the way he stacks wood, is the philosophy of it. Is that the proper use of the word philosophy? Oh, it's uh, uh, either way. I mean, the best way, let's say, to put wood together so that the air can flow within and well, dry and not the rain cannot go. I don't know if I agree with the use so of the word is, uh, philosophy by yeah. a bunch of farmers. <laughs> the way they speaking about Toro, you know. The way they stack the wood, it should be no more than four inches thick, or it won't dry. <laughs> They're obsessed with the wood. <laughs> yeah, they were, because that's why they had to warm themselves in the winter. Well, yeah. And now you have the central mm. systems and... Uh, Unpleasant travel today. All types of heating. Where's this big storm? I'm going to go attempt to exercise with my raincoat, maybe. I'll be all alone out there in the woods. <laughs> Is there any woods for me to walk in? Hmm. Look at this, my finger. <sighs> December 25th. You know this is Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. How different are men and women in respect to the adornment of their heads. <laughs> Do you ever see an old or jammed bonnet on the head of a woman at a public meeting but look at any assembly of men with their hats in on how large a proportion of the hats will be old weathered beaten and indented but i think so much of the more picturesque and interesting one farmer rides by my door in a hat which it does me good to see there is so much character in it so much independence to begin with, and then affection for his old friends, etc., etc. I should not wonder if there were lichens on it. 
Think of painting a hero in a brand new hat. The chief recommendation of the Kosash hat is that it looks old to start with and almost as good. The Kosash hat is a C-K-O-S-S-U-T-H hat. Is that it looks old to start with and almost as good as a new to end with. Indeed, it is generally conceded that a man does not look the worse for... A somewhat dilapidated hat, but go to Elysium and look at the bonnets and various other headgear of the women and girls who, by the way, keep their hats on, it being too dangerous and expensive to take them off. Why everyone looks as fragile as a butterfly's wings, having just come out of a bandbox as it will go into a bandbox again when the Lyceum is over. Men wear their hats for use. Women there's for ornament. I have seen the greatest philosopher in the town with what the traders would call a shocking bad hat. But the women whose bonnet does not come up to the mark is at best a blue stocking. The man is not particularly proud of his beaver and musquash, but the woman flaunts her ostrich and sable in your face. <laughs> Seems the women have to dress nice, uh -huh. right? Mm -hmm. They're under no, no, pressure. No, no, do the same thing They're under pressure. They fly everywhere. Huh. And take it, hold it. If you have to do it, then mm. you have to hold it. I don't want them to harm them on the floor. Mm. Are you taping still? And you yeah, I'm taping. So <coughs> shouldn't eat it then. Shouldn't eat. No. Yeah, well... We don't have a stilted, uh, this is all very natural. When I want to eat chocolate or drink coffee. December 26th, that's all he had to say about Christmas? You think he should have been that critical about Christmas? Uh -huh. What did he say? That was he was criticizing the hats. That was a lot of... being critical with Christmas. Can he be more in the spirit of Christmas? Why is he so... What the spirit of Christmas has to do with hats? Then why is he so critical? If he walked on Fifth Avenue this year, around Christmas, he would just explode with all the decorations they sell. Yeah, but he's talking about the flourishness, flushness of the women's hats on Christmas Day. Yeah, he's against the decorations. Against it? Again, look what, how far the decorations ruined. Ah, uh, uh, ruined, huh? Yeah, where are you? You like also decorations. I you like decorations. Well, lights. <laughs> yeah, but I Who's try to having? not spoil the spirit of Christmas on oh, Christmas oh, yeah. Day. Oh. Christmas spirit is alive. Don't you want to have a nice hat on Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> I have the same one. You're terrible. Huh? <laughs> and you're it's like, not adorning. <laughs> you're like Thoreau and I'm not. <laughs> you're too much like Thoreau. Mm -hmm. yep. You're more thoroughly into Thoreau than I am. Absolutely. I'm just a two-bit low-class reading turtle. <laughs> you're a bourgeois. I'm just a bourgeois. I'm just a bourgeois scribe. I'm not claimed to be a foremost scholar of, of transcendental literature and English literature or American literature. I'm not the foremost scholar. I'm just a two-bit scribe. 
December 26th. Mm-hmm. That's, why is it too hot now? December, I'm going to continue. December 26th, I see a brute with a gun in his hand, standing motionless over a musquash house which he has destroyed. What's a musquash house? Is that a muskrat? I guess it's a muskrat. I got a feeling it's a muskrat. It says musquash. I find that he has visited everyone in the neighborhood of Fairhaven Pond above and below and broken them all down, layering open the interior to the water. And then stood clutchful close, close by for the poor creature to show its head there for a breath of air. There lies the red carcass of one whose pelt he has taken on the spot, flat on the bloody ice. Ah, the bloody ice. And for his afternoon's cruelty, that fellow will be rewarded with a ninepence per chance. Cruelty. When I consider what are the opportunities of the civilized man for getting nine pences and getting white, this seems to me more savage than savages are. Depend on it that whatever thus treats the muskrat must squash his house. His refuge when the water is frozen thick, he and his family will not come to a good end. He's cruel to the muskrat. Would you do that for a nine pence? Be cruel? I would not be cruel to a muskrat. I think I'll be less cruel having read Thoreau. I may try to be less cruel to the muskrat. Hmm. Musquash, that is. I think I've been too cruel. Mus squash. Rodent. Muskrat. Yeah, it is a muskrat, it says. Musquash. There he is, a muskrat. The only species in genius Andatra and tribe Andatrina in the middle-sized semi-aquatic rodent native of North America and introduced species in part of Europe, South Asia, South America. The muskrat is found in wetlands over the wide range of climates and habitats. There he is, the muskrat. I knew muskrats. I don't think I ever killed a muskrat. I'm not a killer. Yeah, he's a muskrat or a musquash. Uh-huh. the word changes. December twenty ninth. We're coming to the year end. The clouds were very remarkable this cold afternoon, about twenty nine minutes before sunset, consisting of very long and narrow white clouds converging in the horizon. Mellow rind-wise, both in the west and east, they looked like the skeletons and backbones of celestial sleuths, being pointed at each end, and even like porcupine quills or ivory darts sharp at each end, or even like 
at each so long and slender, but pronounced with the manifest backbone and marrow. It looked as if visible, invisible giants were darting them from all parts of the sky at the setting sun. These were long darts indeed, while underneath was an almost invisible rippled vapor whose grain was exactly at right angles with the former. All over the sky, yet it was so delicate that it did not prevent your seeing the former at all. The filmy arrows all pointed athwarp. The others I saw knew that, in fact, these slender white cloud sleuths were nearly parallel against the sky. But how much handsomer are the clouds because the sky is made to appear concave to us? How much more beautiful an arrangement of the clouds that parallel lines at length. These white arrows and bows, slender and sharp as they were, gathering towards a point in the west horizon, looked like flames, even forked and darting flames of ivory white. And lo, in the west there was a piece of rainbow, but a little longer than it was broad. Hmm. He doesn't describe rainbows very often. Well. Why not? If you had a journal, would you write about the rainbows? <laughs> mm -hmm. December 31, we're coming to the very end of 1859. December 31, a man may be old and infirm. What then are the thoughts he thinks, what the life he lives? They, in, they and it are like himself infirm. But a man may be young, athletic, active, beautiful. <laughs> What's that all about? A man may be young, athletic, active, and beautiful. Then, too, his thoughts will be like his person. They will wander in a living and beautiful world. If you are well, then how brave you are. How you hope you are converse, conversant with joy. Hmm. You are conversant with joy. A man thinks as well through his legs and arms as his brain. Aren't they saying that now that a man's brain is in a, spread throughout his body? Do they say that your brain is in your guts? <laughs> my gut. I'm thinking with my gut right now. My gut flora is my brain. A man thinks as well through his legs and arms as his brain. He, we exaggerate the importance of exclusiveness of the headquarters. Do you suppose they were a race of consumptives and dyspeptics who invented Grecian mythology and poetry? The poet's words are... Well, you would almost say the body thought. Hmm. I quite say it. I trust we have a good body then. The Greeks believed in a sound body and a sound mind, right? <sighs> I think we'll reread uh, December 31, the grand conclusion. <laughs> A man. Because if you take today, we need to find, remember, there are excellent minds and not healthy bodies. Yeah, well, generally, it helps to 
have the whole... Well, you can believe in a balanced life where everything is balanced. <laughs> December 31, a man may be old and infirm. What then are the thoughts he thinks? What the life he lives, they and it are like himself infirm. But a man may be young, athletic, active, beautiful. Then too, his thoughts will be like his person. They will wander in a living and beautiful world. If you are well, then how brave you are, how you hope. You are conversant with joy. A man thinks as well through his legs and arms as his brain. They exaggerate the importance of exclusiveness of the headquarters. Do you suppose they were a race of consumptives or despotics who invented Grecian mythology and poetry? The poet's words are, You would almost say the body thought, I quite say it, we trust we have a good body then. So the body, I... Like I say that my knees are doing all the talking. <laughs> my knees do meditation, not my brain. I like that when they meditate. <laughs> they sit, my knees sit for meditation. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> we talked about the gut flora as your brain. Then we talked about the muskrat and the cruelty, an afternoon's cruelty with the bloody ice, and the guy killed the muskrat for nine pence, which was horrible when we read it. But And that labor is just created to keep men out of mischief, uh, and it indicates a rottenness in society. Rotten. Rotten people. So if you, if, you, if you don't, you're not a mischief in a way in nature, you don't need labor. And he keeps talking about labor. if we have a Dixonia fern, it somehow Why refreshes us. Refreshes us to. Please too. don't put my phone everywhere you think, okay? Original thought. Don't touch it, David. Okay. Okay. I don't trust you. Okay. <laughs> We went, basically, we went huckleberrying in the fields of thought. Uh, we went to each town, and we, which we determined each town should have a park. And that was it for the reading. That was pretty much it. Uh, which is the topic, then? Hmm.